Hello and happy spring. I don't even know if it's officially the start of spring or not, but what I do know is that the pollen has landed here in Georgia. And so if you hear some funkiness in my voice, I'm battling a little bit of allergies right now, but it's okay because I love the warmer weather. I love everything that's blooming and I love that we're getting even closer to summer. So it's okay. It's worth the price that I'm paying right now to see life coming back into our area right now and just loving and soaking up all the warmer weather. And that makes me think of this breath of fresh air, this breath of life, which is today's guest. Ale Siegmeier is a new friend of mine, and here's how we met. So I had Audrey Elledge and Elizabeth Moore on my podcast back in the fall. They were talking about their book, Liturgies for Hope. And after every podcast episode, I ask my guest, is there anyone that you would recommend come on the podcast? Now that you've seen it and you have a feel for what this is all about, is there anyone that you would recommend? And instantly, Elizabeth said, you have to meet my friend, Ale. So Ale and I set up a Zoom call and it took a whole two minutes before I fell in love with this person. And I instantly knew she was definitely a fit for the podcast. And so Ale and her husband, Ben, live in New York City. Ale is a life coach, and she also has a Christian matchmaking business called The Net. And I have a lot of friends in my life who are single and who are currently dating. And we will talk about the woes of the troubles of how hard that is, depending on where they're located in the world and awkward first dates, what to do with dating apps, all of that. And so when I met Ali, I thought, how amazing would it be to have a real life expert come on and talk about how to date in today's world as a Christian. But here's the thing, it's not just for singles. There are so many principles that Ali talks about that apply to any relationship, any friendship, any marriage, any community. And so I just think anyone, wherever you're at, you're just going to love Ale, but you're also just going to get a lot out of this conversation and hopefully just feel encouraged and have a little bit of life breathed into the relationships in your life. We even talk about how to get back out there socially, even just in, as friends, how to meet new people and do new things, still kind of shaking off the effects of the shutdown and the pandemic. So whoever you are, I think you are going to love Ale and yes, just adore this conversation. I found out about Branch Basics from one of my best friends who has been slowly incorporating cleaner products into her home. Every time we would go over to Lindsay's for dinner, she would be cleaning up and I would ask her what smelled so fresh, what was she using, and she said that it was Branch Basics. And what I love about these products is that they're human safe, non-toxic, and free of fragrance and hormone disruptors and harmful preservatives, so they're even safe to use around Scout and Trooper or if you have kids in your home. And I love that because I can feel good about the products that we're using to clean our kitchen or that we're using around our home, that we're breathing in, that we're eating off of these surfaces or preparing food off of these surfaces. I know that it's not filled with harmful chemicals. Plus, the products are actually incredible. I went on a bit of a cleaning spree around our house this weekend, and I carried my little Branch Basics bottles around with me to every single room. We have the starter kit, which came with one concentrate and multiple refillable bottles for different uses. And the beauty is, once you run out, you have everything you need to refill your spray bottle, and you have a whole nother set to work with. 
It's perfect for spring cleaning, so visit branchbasics.com and use promo code Nikki Dutton for 15% off of all starter kits except the trial kit. Again, that's B-R-A-N-C-H-B-A-S-I-C-S dot com and use promo code N-I-K-K-I-D-U-T-T-O-N, no spaces, for 15% off of your starter kit. Okay, you guys, today I have L.A. Siekmeyer on the podcast. We actually just met recently through a mutual friend, Elizabeth Moore, who was on an episode back in the fall. But for those who are meeting you for the first time today, tell us who you are and what life looks like for you currently. Thank you so much for having me, Nikki. I am so honored to be here with you and share with you in the podcast. Um, so like you said, my name is Ale Siekmeyer. I, am, I was born and raised in Guatemala City. Um, and now I live in New York City alongside with my husband. We have been married for 12 years. Um, life in the city is full. It's busy, never a dull moment. Um, we work for the marketplace. I run two companies. One is a life consulting company where I help people thrive from the inside out uh, in personal relationships uh, romantic relationships, also purpose, vision, and mission in their own lives. And my other company is The Net, which is a boutique matchmaking company for Christian singles um, based in New York City. So that's a little bit of how life looks like. It's pretty full, but it's good. Also, I volunteer in my church, Church of the City, uh, New York City a lot. So that in itself, it's like a part-time job that I love to do. Oh, well, and there are so many questions I have in relation to all of that. And Elizabeth is at Church of the City too. Is that where you guys met? Yes, that's how we know each other okay. from Church of the City. Okay, amazing. Well, and tell me too, like you mentioned so many things, but I would love to know even a little bit more of your story. Like what makes you you? What was life like growing up? How did you and your husband meet? Just anything that comes to mind that will help us know what makes you you. Amazing. Well, um, what makes me me, I mean, you know, Jesus is and has been the author of my story. So my life in Guatemala growing up, um, I grew up a Christian, but I really did not have a relationship with Jesus until I was 17 years old through, you know, just life altering, altering moments um, in my life, um, like trauma, sexual abuse, a lot of brokenness. Um, that's what led me to know the love of Jesus. And honestly, when I was 17 years old, God took a hold of my life. I met his love. He renewed my soul. Um, he set me free from the addictions that I carried. And I think that, you know, moment of restoration and transformation led me to a journey of healing in my own life. And out of that healing and freedom that I encounter, um, that 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 it, that it was how my desire to help others be free mm. was born. Um, so I decided I wanted to follow the Lord. I went to Bible school. Um, then years later, I met the love of my life and my best friend, which is my husband, Ben. He has a heart after the Lord as well. Um, and then together we have been journeying um, with each other for almost 12 years. We have been wow. together wow. married for 12 years. 
That's impressive. I mean, 12 years is quite some time in general, but especially in today's culture and context, that is a lot of life that you live together. And I know that it goes through ups and downs and rounds and rounds, but I love too that like your relationship with Ben and the life that you guys have built is there in New York City. And I know that that can shape someone so much, especially that city in particular. And I think what I love about you is that you also have your background in Guatemala. And so there's just so much that makes you who you are today. I was curious, when did you move from Guatemala? I moved exactly 12 years ago. Oh, really? Okay, I didn't realize. Mm-hmm. So it was, was that when you were going to school was when you left Guatemala? So I actually went to school, um, well, technically 14 years um, okay. ago, okay. I left Guatemala. I went to school and then my husband and I got married. Um, so 12 years ago was when I actually left, left to like for good. You know, I was wow. not coming back anymore for like Thanksgiving yeah. break for yeah. school. Yeah. But it was actually when I like departed ways from wow. the country that saw me grow up. And, yeah. What was you know, that like? Me. Yeah. It was really, you know, it was grief. So mm-hmm. while I just got married, you know, to my dream man and I was very happy, but also I was going through a lot of grief feelings. I I was grieving, leaving my mom, my dad, my brothers, my family, my culture, my language, and coming into, you know, a a completely different country. Our English was my second language. Culture looked a little different. So it was definitely very hard initially just to adjust. And, you know, it took a while. I, I always tell people like first year of marriage, is 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 bliss yes mm-hmm. but it is also challenging in the sense that you together are building a new culture um yeah. so we were together forming a the culture of our marriage plus i was adjusting to how to live well in america yeah i mean that is a lot of adjustment at once i yes. i do i can think about that yes. of when scott and i were getting married and we were bringing our life together and our finances together and our home and just figuring out like what life looks like as kind of this one unit versus these two single individuals that is a huge adjustment let alone like you're saying learning a new country speaking english like full time no matter how much you had spoke it growing up now speaking it where this is like your primary like going to the grocery store, getting around in the day, like that is a lot of change all at once. Yes. Driving, you know, and I- even driving, yes. In Guatemala, like I love living in New York because I don't have to drive. So Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I've never been a driver. I, (laughs) you know, even in Guatemala, I was like, listen, I have to drive because I I have, if there's an emergency, I need to know how to get there. But (laughs) if I don't need to drive, I'm okay not driving. So- you know, like even driving, like going places in a car was um, different yeah. than what I was used to because public transport transportation in Guatemala was so accessible. So, right. um, you know, like I, I think that's why we chose New York to be mm-hmm. the city where we wanted to live um, because it had, you know, it's similar to Guatemala in many ways. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, what is life in New York City like and how has that kind of shaped who you and who Ben is now at this time? So, yeah, life in New York City is amazing, but it's also very hard. Um, as you know, it's a very secular city. Yeah. Um, so to to be a follower of Jesus in the city, um, it's almost like very rare in, in New York. It's a very secular city. The culture is very work-oriented. I think a lot of people come to New York 
to follow their dreams. Um, and in a way, that's beautiful, but also a lot of people come to New York City as a way of escaping. Mm. They, you know, they are escaping their trap, like the traumatic family situation. So the best way that a lot of people know how to cope with is through, you know, becoming addicted to work or really mm. fully investing their life, their whole selves in, in work. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I will say that in many ways, like being a Christian, it's, it's, it's a way of, of feeling persecuted in many mm -hmm. ways. Um, so it's definitely an exciting season city to live. There's many fun things to do, but also, you know, there's like a challenge. Also, yeah. there's so many people in the city. Um, I'm a, a highly sensitive person, so I'm a feeler, you know, mm -hmm. so going into the subway, <laughs> I, I feel like I had learned some tools that keep me very sane and really keep me focused on Jesus at all yeah. times. That's because true. I couldn't do it otherwise, you know, mm -hmm. like if I didn't know, I didn't have the tools that practically helped me to live my life in New York, I don't think I would be able to really like live well in the city. Yeah. I think that makes sense. I've, I told you this when we spoke a couple weeks ago, but my husband and I came just as a total tourist to the city a few years ago. It was at Christmas time. Love and it. I mean, the city was stunning, like all the lights and it was cold. I mean, it was so cold. It was so, yes, so cold. That is a challenge. Yeah. And we were bundled up. We were walking around and seeing everything for the first time. We loved it, but it was so starkly different from the cities we were used to. The fact that everything was open pretty much 24-7. I mean, if you wanted yes. a slice of pizza at 3 a.m., you just walk around the corner oh, and yeah. there's there's probably a pizzeria right there. There's people taking meetings and doing dates and all these things at all hours of the day and night because, like you said, the the work and the grind in the city is just such a big part of a, a reason why so many people are there to further those dreams. And so there's a lot of time that goes into that, which kind of pushes those personal things back. And so... It was pretty remarkable to see. It was really, really amazing. And my husband, Scott, has said, like, that is one of his favorite cities that he's visited so far. So I know we'll come back. But I oh, also anytime. recognize that the the place or the parts of it that make it so wonderful can also be a challenge as well. Yes, yes. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a beautiful city. I always tell people, like, come and visit. And also, you know, come and visit and see what the Lord is doing because yeah. I I really believe that God is moving profoundly in New York City. You know, it almost brings me to tears to just see what God is doing mm -hmm. in our midst now. Um, our church, and, and it's not only our church, Church of the City, He's moving like capital C churches like citywide. Yeah. Um, the Spirit of God is 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 prevalent. It's moving. I feel like there is a new level of hunger, like an invitation where, you know, maybe people have lived here for a long time and they're like, ah, oh, there's actually like, there's actually, it's comfortable. Mm -hmm. I feel like in the last three years, since 2020, people are searching for the more. Like mm -hmm. there is like a holy discontent in the heart of people, including my heart of like, I know that there has to be more. There has to be more. Like, I know that God, you called us to the city to see an outbreak of your spirit, of your spirit. And, you know, it's, it, it's beyond ourselves. Like it's a, it's a movement where we as believers 
are invited to go out um, and to preach the gospel and to bring people in to the church that don't know Jesus. So we're seeing uh, just a very remarkable just move of, of the Spirit of God in our city. So it's a very exciting season to be in the city and to be alive as well. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, because it, it is this global capital for so many things that it would make sense that the Lord would want to do a work there. And it doesn't mean that the Lord is only attracted to the most populous or the most, yes. you know, extravagant or whatever places. But I think that the Lord is after His people in all areas. I think we're seeing yes. that through a lot of the revivals that are happening and just yes. the things that are happening in small towns, big cities, foreign yes. countries. We were talking about that before we were started recording that even through my work, like today, literally today, I got to hear some of the things that are happening in other places in the world. But it would make sense to me that the Lord would have something special for New York City. I, I would love to know what else has had you fixed on the Lord lately? What's something that you've just been loving about Jesus recently? Oh, that's such a good question. So, yeah, I um, am a big person. You know, I am a very spontaneous, highly extroverted person. Um, but I also have to be very intentional about cultivating practices of formation in my own life. Mm. Like what is forming me to be more like Jesus in my life? Um, so, you know, my quiet time with the Lord is my vitamin, I call it. I can't really I function that. 100% if I don't take my daily vitamin, which is time in the presence with God. Um, I love a speaker called Corey Russell. I don't know if you have heard um, of Corey, but he is, um, he's one of the pastors from a church in Colorado, I think now, but he's a man of prayer. Um, and he has come to speak to our church many times. Um, but one of the things that he talks about is how it's so often, oftentimes we come to the presence of God with a list of things, right? Um, and one of the things that he talks about is like, we should come into the presence of God to adore him um, instead of bringing a list of like, okay, here's all my needs. Like, who are you, Jesus, in my life? So I've been incorporating this practice into my quiet time where the first, you know, half an hour, depending on how much I have that day, I'm just going to dedicate a good solid amount of time just to worship Mm. and just to focus myself in beholding the beauty of the Lord, just beholding who Jesus is, like beholding his character, beholding his attribute, uh, his attributes, beholding um, his nature and just adoring him and worshiping him. And I just have found myself through those moments of adoration, just just feeling really filled by by yeah. his presence and by his spirit, just by paying attention in who God is, rather in you know my circumstances that can feel so dominant at times. Uh, but just adoring him has just created this like big emphasis in my heart of God is so good and he's so great. And my circumstances don't measure up to the greatness mm-hmm. of who my God is. Yeah, I think that's a beautiful invitation for anyone that's listening because it's so easy for our circumstances to make us skeptical about who God is. And I understand that. I have had my own circumstances where it has made me really genuinely wonder, is God good? Is He for me? Is He in control? Those are valid questions. They are absolutely valid. And I don't think those intimidate the Lord in any way. Absolutely, But it is a very 
significant shift when instead of asking for whatever it might be, it might be for something as large as a miracle, freedom from addiction, healing, something like that, or even small things. Okay. You know, keep my husband or my kids safe today as they're traveling in different directions or um, help me with this project at work. We can ask the Lord for absolutely anything, and He won't grow tired or weary from that. But there's something that shifts in our own spirit whenever we take that stance of of praise and adoration. And in the same way that we're quick to drop a list of the things that we question about God, just to drop a short list of the things that we love about God and that we've seen Him to be good and true. And that's what I love about Scripture is it's this constant reminding of, remember when the Lord moved in this way? Remember when He did this? Because— as humans, we're so forgetful. We're so, yeah. so forgetful. And that's not a slam. It's just, no. we we are. Life happens yes. and you're cooking Life dinner and then you're doing this. Yeah, and you just forget. I forget. Um, I so too. I think that that's a beautiful invitation. Yes, it is. And I think that keeps our hearts from offense, you know? And like you said, I have a very honest, real relationship with Jesus. Mm-hmm. Like, right. if I'm sad, he's going to know about it, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna and tell he can Jesus. handle it. <laughs> he can. I feel like I always tell this to my clients, like God wants to be invited into the messy parts of our hearts. Right. He's not going to walk away from your messy um, process. Like, I, I, I feel like we can show Jesus, like, authentically who we are and authentically how we are feeling and, like, He's not going to walk away. He's not going to feel overwhelmed by our emotions. Like he wants to be invited in. Um, and we we will receive his comfort. We will receive his validation. We will receive his love. But I feel like there's something about offense, right? Like I, I've been many times offended at Jesus. And I feel like I have realized that that offense is what keeps my heart from really connecting deeper with the presence of God. So I do just feel like, Worship and adoration is like my own weapon for warfare and my own weapon to like protect my heart from like being offended because I'm constantly Mm -hmm. reminded of who he is and what he has done in my life. Since the start of the year, I've been paying attention to the routines that I have in my life, my morning routine, my evening routine, and the all important Sunday night routine, getting yourself set and ready for the week. Olive in June has become a big part of my Sunday night routine because I love having my nails done and ready to go for whatever the week might bring. And here's the benefit of doing them at home versus going to the salon. One, you can work them into your Sunday night. You don't have to worry about any salon hours or appointments or booking. And it's also just so much more easier and affordable uh, than going to the salon each week for your nails to get prepped or even every two weeks. Because Olive in June has a manicure system that has everything you need for salon quality in one box. You can customize it with your choice of six nail polishes. This polish doesn't chip. It lasts seven days or more. And this breaks down to be just $2 a manicure. So you really, really can't beat it. Olive and June has cute color sets online right now, just in time for spring. I like the pink opal set and the freshwater pearl set. Those both have cute pastel and Easter-like colors, which is perfect for right now. And I also love the Olive and June quick dry. It dries in about a minute, lasts five plus days, and you get full coverage in just one to two coats. Okay, so it's so worth your time because it's really not much time at all. 
Visit oliveandjune.com slash Nick Dutton for 20% off of your first manicure system. That's O-L-I-V-E-A-N-D-J-U-N-E.com slash N-I-K-K-D-U-T-T-O-N for 20% off of your first Olive and June manicure system. But yes, I mean, I think this is the perfect place for our conversation to have started because we got to know you. We got to know who Ale is, but then we also have gotten to really like kind of peel back the curtain and see who Jesus is to you and how the Lord impacts and affects your life. Because the part of the conversation that we're about to transition to can be kind of touchy for a lot of people when we're talking about dating and relationships. There can be so much hurt and offense and confusion and frustration. I mean, I have so many friends in my life that are some of my best friends that would love to have found their person, but they haven't yet. And there can just be a lot of turmoil in that of, am I doing something wrong? Are they doing something wrong? Is the whole world wrong? Like, it's just, it can be really discouraging. And so I love, I have never met anyone like you that uses their profession as a matchmaker and that uses their calling in that way. I've never, ever met anyone like you. And so I would love just to have you speak into that. I would love, can you just explain to us what exactly the net is and how did you even find yourself in this matchmaking role? What leads to life to be in that place? Yeah. So I I have always been a connector of people, you know, and it's just been in my like nature, I think, just to, I love love, you know, I, I'm a hopeless <laughs> romantic and for many years, actually, I thought I was not going to get married. And, you know, I just had like this sense in my heart of like, I think I would be okay, but I want to help others like find like love. Um, so since I was very young, I remember setting people up at my high school. <laughs> uh, then I went to YWAM when I was 17 to do um, discipleship training school Um and I remember in my DTS, I would, you know, we were not allowed to date, which was, it's, it was great. It was six months dedicated to Jesus. But at the end of my DTS, I remember I would be like, hey, like, what about you and that guy? <laughs> and, you know, just kind of like trying to set my friends up and like really like build their, their confidence. So I have always had a passion um, for the single community. I have always had a passion to help people meet each other. And I always tell people like the goal is if you're in a relationship, that's great. But what's the worst thing that can happen? You will meet a new friend. So if I can be a bridge to connect you to a new friend, that will be a huge honor in my life. So um, I think just in the last several years, my husband and I have lived very intentionally to be family to the single community um, and just to open up our home, most of our friends in the city are singles, and just to be family to people. Um, you know, we have had some friends that don't have any family, so if, during the holidays they come, they have a seat at our table. You know, like we want to be that family for them, and have you know just observe the pain and the frustration um, that exists in relationships and Christian dating in general. And I think out of that desire my business, The Net, was born. Um, Just really help people in a practical way where I can really help people connect them with other quality people who are equally yoked at their faith level. Um, 
in a way that doesn't feel like intimidating, but it feels very safe, very behind the scenes. So that's how The Net was born. And The Net is designed for Christian singles um, that are busy, um, that will like to incorporate coaching uh, and matchmaking. So a big part of my business is I coach people to develop healthy tools into building healthy relationships. Uh, one, learning how to see themselves, how God sees them, uh, learning how to walk in confidence and having tools in their tool belt that are going to help them thrive when it comes to relationships. So I started the net. I mean, the net is a is a baby, one year yeah, old. Yeah, I thought it was pretty new. Yeah. So you guys just crossed the one year or you're about to? Yes, we just crossed February okay. the 14th. So Valentine's oh. Day was my launch oh, last year. So okay, exactly a year ago. Wow. And how is it going? And also, is it just for singles that are in New York City? Or is it for, can someone in a different city sign up for it as well? So for now, um, yes. So it's focused mostly in New York City, but, and also London. London is my oh, okay. other city that we have a very good relationship with. Um, so right now I'm going to expand more into other cities. So okay, I really cool. want to take the net to, you know, like Texas and California and other cities. So I tell people like, if you live outside of New York and are willing and open to have a relationship long distance and travel back and forth, we're open to have you. But I okay. think the expectation is that you might meet someone based in a different city. And that could own. be challenging, right? Yeah, exactly. that totally makes sense. Okay, well, and I would love to know, what are some challenges that you've noticed exist for individuals that are looking to date right now? What are some things that kind of have been roadblocks or you've just heard come up often that have made dating a little bit harder right now? Yeah, I think, you know, the apps has been a blessing for many. I have nothing against the apps. You know, I know that in 2020, that was a good resource many people, but I think that apps in a way have been a big frustration for the single community in New York, where they are really not meeting people who are at their level, meaning Christians, like people who love Jesus, people who read the word, who pray, who go to church and have a value for community. Um, I think it's hard to discern like, oh, is this person like really a Christian? Like they, they put Christian in their profile, but what does that mean to them? Is it a cultural Christianity or is it like a lifestyle Christianity? So I think, you know, that has been one of the roadblocks. I think also um, people, a lot of people don't have the opportunity to meet each other at church. Sometimes I'm speaking from my own personal experience at our church. People come and go, but there are no spaces designed for people to like, we're going to go have dinner after uh, church with a big group, you know, and we can meet each other organically. So I think creating those settings have, have been limiting for people. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think also there has been some offense and unforgiveness um, when it comes to man and woman. I think that there have been maybe some misunderstandings about the opposite sex um, and I think that needs to be reconciled, right? It's really important to learn how to be friends um, before we, you know, I have the saying like friends before we're lovers. You know, I, in my own personal relationship with my husband, we became friends first 
you know, and obviously there was a romantic element to a relationship, but we were so secure in developing that friendship where we were able to be welcome into being who we were by being friends. Um, so I think it, there is such a need for, you know, Christian singles to learn how to be friends with each other. And so with that, like what kind of encouragement, I think that that's so true. And that's been even true in Scott and I's relationship is there are many days where we serve in a lot of roles for each other, but being a friend, like genuinely just being a friend that is for one another is such a big aspect of our marriage, even now, five years in. And so I would love to know, like, what are some tips that you would give to someone who maybe they're single and are looking to create really strong friendships, or maybe they're already dating and married and also want to create strong friendships? Like, what advice would you give in that realm? And then what advice would you give specifically to someone who is looking to date and they are having a hard time just meeting the right people? They just feel like they haven't really met anyone in their community, or there's just not a lot of people out there that are a good match. Like, what advice would you give to that person? as well? Great questions. So yeah, I mean, I always tell people like, be curious about others. There's, I find, I see aspects of God in everybody, you know, like we, we see Jesus in, in, in the people that we do relationships with. So I always tell people, be curious about who someone is, be curious about their heart. Um, I, I love meeting new people and you don't have to be a highly extrovert person. You know, I talk to everybody. I'm a highly extrovert person. That's my personality. Uh, my husband is an introvert, but still like, I, I feel like there's a beauty in finding wonder in who someone else is, you know, like we found, found wonder and beauty. They are God's creation. Um, so be curious about, and intentional about if there's anyone in your community that you're like, I really want to get to know that person, um, tell, take them for a coffee, take them for a walk, take them for a meal. Uh, don't be, sometimes I think we limit ourselves if the other person is not pursuing us first. So then I always tell people then be the person that pursues. Be intentional about like, I really honor the strengths I see in you. And I really would love to learn from you and I want to get to know you more. Can I can I buy your coffee? Can I um, take you out for a meal? Um, and I just feel like that's how I base a lot of my relationship. If someone in my community that I admire or I really honor or I'm very curious about them, I approach them in curiosity and make intentional time to really get to know them. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's great advice. And I feel like a lot of us shut down when the pandemic happened. Of course, you're yeah. in New York City. So that was such an experience. I can only imagine. And having friends in other, or having family in Guatemala, like I can understand that that looked even more strict in different areas. But I think there was this just general shutdown that happened where a lot of us just pulled back in our life. We were not going to church. We were not sitting in coffee shops. We weren't initiating new friendships. And to be honest, I feel like it's taken me almost this full two years to be like, oh, I need to get back out there. Or I guess yes. now we're coming up on three years of, I need to start inviting people to get coffee and get dinner. And I just, it doesn't feel as natural as it used to kind of pre-pandemic. And so I do feel like it's a little bit of shaking off kind of those habits or those, th that shutdown that happened for us in so many areas of our lives. 
Yes, it's adjusting to, because um, I think that during the pandemic, we made that our normal, right? I mean, yeah. you know, there was no other choice. So we had to be creative. But I think that right now it's a new season. So um, just adjusting to the new normal of people are back. You know, people are eager to do life, to do relationships. So, and it can feel awkward initially. You know, I remember mm-hmm. like going totally. to a party after the pandemic and not knowing how to act, you know, like, yeah. let's be real. <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh, I forgot how to be social. <laughs> I feel that way too. And I am an extrovert and I love people, but I do feel like here in 2023, things just don't come as smoothly or as more natural. It's taking a little while to get back into those habits for sure. Exactly. So I always tell people like, that is probably the initial like adjustment, but lean in. Lean in, yeah. keep leaning in. That doesn't mean that you don't have social skills. It's just, it's a new normal that we were not used to this anymore. Uh, but let's keep leaning in into what is going to become normal. I think that's great advice for, like I said, for anyone who's dating or single or even for like anyone that's been married for years, just that that new normal and just wrapping our mind around that. But also like, I love that you said, that doesn't mean you don't have social skills because I did. I started to think, oh my gosh, I lost it. Same. <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh, anymore. what happened to me? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm different now. I was like, yes. I don't know what happened. It doesn't mean you don't have social skills, but there is more of this cognizant choice to lean in and to choose to continue to lean in. Um, I can't remember. It might've been you. I was talking with someone recently and we were talking about how hard it is even to say yes to social things. Like, yes, I'll go to this dinner with these people I don't know, or yes, I'll go to this networking event, whatever it is. But we, in the first 20 minutes are really hard. The first 20 minutes you feel uncomfortable. You feel awkward. You're like, I just want to go home, put on my comfy pants and like watch a TV show. But if you push through that first 20 minutes, it kind of starts to break. And you're like, well, this isn't so bad. And that person's actually kind of cool. And by the end of it, you're glad you went. And so I think it's just a good reminder. We're all feeling weird. We are. And it's okay. It's okay to make that choice to stay. It is. And, you know, this is a real, real. Like, I feel like if the first 20 minutes you feel kind of like out of place a little bit, that self-talk is really powerful and really important. I self-talk all the time. Sometimes I have to even go to the bathroom look at myself in the mirror, invite the Holy Spirit, like Holy Spirit, I renounce the lie that I'm an insecure person. I'm not insecure. I'm confident through you. Um, You make me confident, Jesus. Like I just like, just to kind of like change my mindset in that moment. So give yourself permission, you know, to take a bathroom break where you are going (laughs) to go talk to Jesus and talk to yourself, affirm yourself. Um, I think that's allowed and that's part of the process. I think that's beautiful advice. And I was curious about this as well. When it comes to singles that are starting to go on dates, they're meeting people, they're going on those initial dates. Do you have any rules? Like, do you have a rule of like, give yourself at least two dates with one person before you change or or not? Because I've heard different opinions about that, but I just wasn't sure if you had any rules when it comes to dating specifically. Yes, that's a good question. Um, Yeah, I always tell people, you know, I'm always going to encourage people to be open. Like that is like one of how, like one of my main strategies to help people. And I actually have set up a lot of people that are very different and they Mm. always tell me, wow, thank you for introducing me to this person because I would never have initially chosen that person for myself, but she's better than I ever expected. And she's, you know, the perfect balance for me. 
So I always tell people opposites attract. And that's not the rule of thumb for every relationship. Sometimes you might be dating or married to someone that is very similar to you. And that's great. But I, I always tell people like be open-minded. The first date, you know, the first date is can always be very awkward. You know, it, it, it is like you're meeting someone that you have never met before. You don't really yes. know what to say or how to act. Yeah, and you want, you want to impress them. You want them to think you're great. Yes. So you're like thinking about yourself in it too. It can just feel awkward for sure. Yes. And you know, the pressure can be high. So I always, I abide by this principle. Um, Dr. Henry Cloud, the author yes. of Boundaries, um, is amazing. And he always says, go on at least five dates. And I think five. that's great, great advice. I I always say, I'm going to meet Dr. Cloud in the middle and say, <laughs> okay. go on at least three dates. Okay. Okay. So just don't write someone off after the first one yes. or the second one. Give someone three dates. And I guess a date yes. could be coffee. coffee. It could be going for a walk. It could be dinner. Yes. But it is, is a date kind of where you're with that person. You're having that intentional time. You know, that's what qualifies as a date. That's exactly it. You know, like give yourself, a, give yourself a chance to one, put yourself out there, take that relational risk, but also give them a chance yeah. um, and honor their time, honor the effort. You know, I think sometimes we can be, you know, hard on, I, I will say specifically, we can be hard on the guys, but I think Charlie. guys are working out a lot of courage to come and ask you out. Um, that, that doesn't mean you owe them something, but, um, honor the courage that they put to ask you out. I love that. I love that. And I, I think at the bottom of all of it, like there's you in the situation. And I think what I'm hearing you say is speak life, speak truth, yes. be confident in yourself. And then there's the other person, like show them honor, show them care, show them dignity. And, and if you pay attention to those things, it'll end well. That's exactly it. And also I always tell people, you never know who you're going to go on a date with. This person might introduce you to your future spouse. Um, so be open-minded about, you know, leaving a really good ex impression and being honoring and being just a great friend. Um, and it doesn't have to be like, oh, wow, I, I'm going to end up marrying this guy or this woman. But you can be, if things don't work out, you can end up being friends. And yeah. you never know the outcome of that. Yeah, I think that that's amazing. And it's a really good reminder. And it does kind of lower the temperature a little bit for yes. everyone in this situation. Yes. Um, it lowers the pressure on you. It lowers the pressure on them. But it still puts forward a lot of hope and expectations for how you would love to see things move forward, which I think is a win-win all around. And I just really appreciate that you've taken so much time with me and that you've been willing to kind of share some of the secrets of how you've seen love and adoration work in towards yourself and with the Lord and with others. And I would love to also know, just as we wrap, like with this podcast being more, and you mentioned the more that the Lord is doing in the city, just in any capacity, give us one more way that you're seeing more in the life around you right now. Oh, I love this question so much. Um, I am seeing, or I am feeling an invitation from the Lord to be shaped for the areas of my life that need to be shaken, that um, are maybe preventing growth. Like 
mindsets that maybe I am believing about me that are not aligning truth or what mm-hmm. the Bible or Jesus has to say about me. Um, I feel an invitation from the Holy Spirit in my personal life. And I, I feel like this is something he's also doing corporately. I have talked to many people and they're feeling this shaking. And I feel like it's a, it's a holy shaking where God is shaking off um, the things that need to leave, like the things that might be preventing a season of, of growth, good fruit, and a season of thriving in our lives. And, you know, God, I love, I love who he is. And I love that he is a father that he loves those, he disciplines those who love. So while maybe some of the things feel vulnerable and tender and uncomfortable, I feel like this is God calling us higher and calling us to this like 2.0 level of there is more beauty. There's more restoration. There is more freedom. There's more of my spirit. Uh, and if you're feeling the shaking and it, it feels raw, just lean in and trust in the work of his spirit that the outcome and the process of healing freedom is going to lead you to have good fruits in your life. Yeah. Amen, Allie. I think that's exactly it because we've seen so much shaking over the last few years and it can be scary. And I've seen shaking in my own life, but it's exactly that. It's, It's this shaking so that anything that's dead or anything that's not serving us or any weight, I think about that verse in Hebrews, any weight that's hindering us, like it can fall down and be thrown off so that then we can move forward in what the Lord has for us, whatever that may be. If that's a calling in a city, if that's a life season call, if that's moving from one country to another to study. I mean, all of the things that you've said, I think are really good examples of taking those steps forward and doing that with the Lord and with the Holy Spirit's guidance. And so I think you're a really beautiful example of this. And I hope that this is the beginning of our friendship. This is my hope. Me too. Me too. You're amazing. I feel like you're a kindred spirit. And I love how like there are pockets like of people everywhere in America, across America, across the nations that are uh, kingdom minded, you know, that that have the same heart, the same passion. So it's just been such a huge honor to know you uh, and just hear your story. You're so encouraging. And the moment I met you, I was like, I really want to like get to know Nikki more. She's like a well (laughs) of humility and just you're a well that like displays Mm. Jesus. Like, and I just want to surround myself with people that will influence me to be more like Jesus. And I just see that in you. I see that in you too. You've got me ready to move to New York. So we're packing our bags. We're coming. Coming over. (laughs) Well, we are welcome anytime. And also for those who are listening, if you ever want to visit New York, we have an amazing prayer room and uh, people actually come from all over over the world, last time I met this guy from yeah. South Africa, he was taking a vacation wow. to New York City because he wanted to come to our prayer room. Wow. Um, we have prayer sets early morning where we pray for our city and pray for revival in our city. There's worship and prayer every day, five times a week. Uh, and it's a very special place just to come and like get refreshed, but also come and be aligned into the heart of Jesus for wow. our city. I didn't realize that. I didn't know that you guys had a prayer room. So there are more options, more reasons than not to go to New York City. Yes. So if this is if this is the nudge anyone was looking for, I think you just got it. <laughs> so um, just book yes. the ticket and go for it. Lots well, of single people there. 
That's true. <laughs> I know. And I've got some people that are here in Georgia that I'm going to send your way that if you know anyone, they would be amazing, amazing partners. So I'll definitely share them with you. But just thank you, Ale. I just really, really appreciate your time and what you're giving to your city and your friends and your community. And I'm excited to see what comes next. Me too. Thank you, Nikki. Such an honor to chat with you. There are so many ways to walk away from today's conversation encouraged, but I just hope that that breathed a little bit of life into your relationships. And if Ale feels like a new friend to you, like she does to me, you can follow her on Instagram at Ale underscore Seekmeyer. That's A-L-E underscore S-I-E-K-M-E. I-E-R. And you can also check out thenet.co. And I know that we said that the net right now just celebrated its first birthday and it's more focused on New York City and London, but the alley is hoping to expand. So honestly, if you have a question or if you want to reach out to her, I would still recommend that you go to thenet.co, fill out a contact form and just kind of check it out. But Either way, I just pray that this has been an encouraging conversation to you and that it's just met you exactly where you are in your life. So until next time.